This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty Show. At City Field. Methodist 2-1. Where's the run support? What's going on? That is really the situation here that you have to be concerned about. It's inconsistent. It continues to be an issue. And look, Francisco Lindor has been outstanding defensively. Unfortunately for him, he is such a streaky hitter that he could carry an offense for two weeks and he can disappear for three. The Mets... Not giving you a lot of runs. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Hour number two of our Sunday edition. Thanks for stopping by at 1-800-919-3776. Also via Twitter at Hardesty ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. We predominantly spoke a little baseball in the first hour. Got a little tinge of basketball at the end. So we'll continue with who's. Well, let me just say this. Look at the Met lineup today. And I had this conversation because we talked so much about um, we talk so much about analytics and how it affects the game. And I was joking with Joe and Harvey. And I said, now, Vogelback, who got a hit, who would have thought that if I said to you, there's one player, the Mets were going to score one run yesterday, who would have that one RBI? And there has to have been probably 10 or 11 people that you would have came, that you would have thought of before Vogelback. I'm just saying it's not even the question. And Vogelback was the guy that gave you the loan on RBI. And I said to them, with analytics in the back of my mind, and he hasn't had a hit probably, it seems like in about two months. Hasn't been that long. But see, it's been a while. I said, watch, he will be out of the lineup today. Mark Vientos, your DH. <laughs> outstanding of course i want to see the young guys play so i'm good i got vientos as the dh i got alvarez in the lineup i'm good i'm good escobar at third listen you know i i could do one more i could do one more baby i could do one more baby but you know we'll give escobar a shot lindor's hitting third so we got fam leading off fam connor who's gotten hot of late fam connor lindor alonzo escobar Marte dropped down and rightfully so. He's not hit well. McNeil, down. Vientos Alvarez, and of course, Senga. Obviously not. But, um, so, you've, you've got yeah, and Senga on the mound. So, that's going to be interesting that Buck has moved some folks down. And there's been a cry for him to move Marte down. Jeff McNeil has been some. Jeff McNeil is not, he, we were talking about this as well. Jeff McNeil has not had the season. Now, he may get hot. And hopefully he does. But he's not had the season that he's had previously. He's struggling a little bit, hitting in hard luck. So hopefully, once again, I need this offense to get going and then I'll feel better. Uh, Game two tonight, Miami Heat and the Denver Nuggets. Now, as I look at this game, here's what I'm expecting. I'm expecting Miami to play a little better. Okay. I'm expecting them to have uh, to be a little better defensively. I think they were pretty good defensively in game one. I think Miami, uh, Denver helped them out because I really don't foresee Denver shooting 8 of 27 in their building again tonight. I don't. Now, what hurts you with them is they hit all their free throws, 16 of 20 from the free throw line. And they were 50, they, they shot almost 51% from the field. So imagine if they if they hit their threes a little bit better, 
they would have probably blown, blown them out. You know? So um, we'll see. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, but tonight, uh, Miami's got to win this game. Okay, you don't want to go down 0-2 even though you're going home? And I still don't see – I'm going to give Miami a game because of how well they've played. And, and I don't think it's going to be a four-game sweep. And what you saw from Miami in the fourth quarter, you know, where Denver started to wear down a little bit and you saw that Miami was, was able to get going and, you know, they, they started to put a little more pressure. The zone started to have some effect on them, on Denver. So they got to do a lot of work. They they are bigger. Denver is bigger than Miami, but when you look at it, there was only Miami only had I mean Denver only had a two two rebound edge over them and had more offensive rebounds than Denver did. So that's got to be interesting to see how that's going to uh switch out. Um Martin and Struess one for 17, they're not going to do that again. And they had wide-open shots that they missed. So I think it'll be a little more competitive. I still think Denver has too much. And I, I don't know, you know, what adjustments that you can ex- – here's the one thing I know, that uh, Miami cannot switch <laughs> because they ended up with Porter or Gordon on Gabe Vincent on a couple of occasions. And that's not going to work. <laughs> that's not going to work. Uh, Tyler Hero could be, is expected to be available tonight in a limited role, possibly. So, you know, it's not official yet, but Woj had reported on that a couple of days ago that you, that he's probably going to be able to go. So that's going to help them, obviously. It gives them it gives them more offense. Now, it hurts them defensively, as Spike mentioned earlier. But, avail- you know, the scoring... You know, we'll, we'll see. Now, Caleb Martin missed practice. So not sure whether he's going to be able to go because he was ill. I'm sure if he has any possibility, he's going to give it a shot. It's the NBA Finals. So if he can go, he will have a chance. He will give it a shot. Uh, but I will say that Denver, for the first three quarters of that game, very impressive. Very impressive. Uh, and Jokic didn't even play. <laughs> Hardly. He was a facilitator. He was very happy with just passing the ball and looking for open guys. And then when he decided to shoot, you look down, he was like, what? Triple-double? Again? He's something else. He is something else. Let's go to the phones. Buddha's in the Bronx. Hey, Buddha, you're next on 98.7. Hey, Uncle, what's going on? How you doing, big bro? What's happening, Buddha? I saw you in the picture. Yeah, picture yeah. Of you and some you know, guys. I got, a, I got a quick little story about that. I mean, I'm right now. I'm over here in Stratford, Connecticut. I mean, nothing is biting. I got clam, got mm. worm, I got mackerel, I got bunker. I can't get a bite of nothing. It's super windy. And, and the Queen Tanya said to say hello to you and your beautiful wife. Tell her right back um, at her from both of us. All right. You already know. But um, listen, uh, before I get to the ba- the basketball point, like you said, you know, I took a little picture. It was nice. Uh, you know, it was a funny story behind it, though, um, you know, because it was a shot rock day. 
Uh, I remember. I don't know if you guys know Shot Rocks using that the B Street movie with the three ladies, Debbie D, Lisa Lee. You know, the us girls could boogie too when they were in that apartment when they had mm-hmm. that little house jam. But um, you know, she has a day annual day in the Bronx. It's been running for like five years. You know, so you know, Trey had sent me the thing. That's why he flew down here. You know, he came from from Texas back to the BX, and uh, we, we we met up and all that. But you know, first I got to the park first, and I'm like, it's like Magenta Park. So we Googled it. Magenta Park is an older Avenue. Really we get there, it's like a kids park. There's nobody there. You know what I'm saying? It's supposed to be like some Shy Rock Day and big food, music and everything. So now I bumped into some old school cat. I don't know. He's friends with like DJ Barron and DJ Breakout. And he was parked on the side. He was like, look, I'm going to call him and find out where they at. So eventually me, Trey, his man had came with him from Texas too, and wifey. It was all four of us. So we drove to the park. Uh, we got there. You know, they had the burgers everything. It was very nice. Um, you know, mm-hmm. Rod Digger was, was like the MC. She's still beautiful. You know, black don't crack. Mm-hmm. And um, Shy Rock, you know, was there. You know, I, we took the picture with um, Chief Rocker Busy B. That was cool. You know, that's my man. Love, you know, love him to death. But, um, you know, it was a very nice day, man. You know, um, can't believe that four people could go through a half gallon of Johnny Walker Black, you know, in about two hours. But... You know, we, we had a really good time. It was good to see him. And we, my, I let my wife call. She spoke to, to um, Papa Large, too. Nice. Because nice. she always like she likes Spike. She always listens to him on the radio. Mm-hmm. But anyway, you know, with this NBA thing, um, listen. And, um, you know, like I said, I was rooting for the Miami Heat before in the beginning of the series with the Boston Celtics. But then you know how it is when it becomes the pile-on and the coach and, 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 and the different players. Mm-hmm. I ended up kind of sideways rooting for Boston, not just because – of that stuff, but I thought that they would have more, you know, they have more talent and more of a, a, a challenge for Denver. Uh, and I do like Denver, and I do like Jokic. You know, I, li- I like Murray. Michael Porter Jr. is a rare-type athlete at that, at that position. Uh, but, listen, l- l- let's be for real. You know, friends, uh, wants, needs, whatever, whatever it is with any of these players in the Miami Heat, why we're rooting for them. If they don't win this game tonight, this series is done. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying that they won't win a game in Miami, but I mean, can you really tell me is there a big difference between three and one and three and oh? I mean, come on, they have to win this game tonight. And you know, the, the what was very troubling about the last game, if you are a person who's rooting for Miami, Bam Adebayo has been one of those guys that you know when the lights have shined the brightest. Let, let's be honest, he's come up smaller. Mm-hmm. He played phenomenal in that last he game. He did. He played phenomenal. He was all over the place, and they still lost. You know, convincingly. So, you know, and I'm not saying Jimmy Butler is going to score, like, in the teens again. But those other guys, uh, Robinson, uh, what's the other kid's name? Uh, Shrews. Yeah, Vincent. Yep. Against a team like this, you're, listen, let, let's, be, let's, let's, let's be for real with Miami. They caught everything the way you need to catch it. Giannis fell, broke up his back. Uh, the Sixers are the Sixers. I mean, you know, this, this this thing worked out well for them. They got Boston, and Boston was not ready for their level of coaching and aggressiveness. Mm-hmm. So you're playing against a team who, let's go with the guy on Malone, another excellent coach, mm-hmm. a very underrated excellent coach. You know what yep. I'm saying? Yep. You're not going to beat them without playing your A game. And when I say your A game, it's the A game from your star, it's the A game from your second star, and it's the A game from your bench. If you don't have all three aspects working in unison, you're not beating this team. Take it, my brother. Love you to death, man. All right, Buddha. Thanks for checking in. And let's add to that. You know what? This kid Highsmith, off that Miami bench, he's been he's been he's been something. 
he was the he was the brightest star off that Miami bench. And as a matter of fact, his his what did he have? Twenty twenty but eighteen points. He had eighteen points in twenty three minutes. Seven of ten from the field. He helped make that game competitive in the fourth quarter. So he's obviously going to be in that rotation a little bit earlier than I think he was previously. There's no question. He's got to be. He's he's the guy that's giving them a little juice off the bench. Gave him a little juice off the bench in the Boston series as well. So I think Highsmith, it'll be interesting to see how he moves up uh, and what the availability Martin's going to be. And then you, you got Hero uh, in the mix. Don't expect a lot from him. I don't think he's going to play a lot. It's first time back. He hasn't played months. You know, so you want him to, you know, you want him to, uh, if you're if you're a Miami fan, you want Hero to show that he can do something. Give you a couple of points in key moments. You'll be happy with that. 1-800-919-3776. More of your calls next on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Mets and Jays underway in uh, about 20 minutes or so. 140, first pitch. Yankees and Dodgers this evening. And uh, so was the NBA's finals game two between Denver and Miami. That's what we're talking about here at 1-800-919-3776. Set back to the phones. Uh, Steve's in Rockland. What's up, Steve? Hey, Larry. You know, the gentleman called and he was mentioning uh, that the Knicks passed on Jokic, Jokic to Berkeley. Anthony. But I have an even better one, one that rivals... Frederick Weiss, picking Frederick Weiss instead of Ron Artest. And this one, and I also want to thread this in with Phil Jackson, the executive, mm. versus Phil Jackson, the coach, and Pat Riley, the executive. Okay. So the Knicks decided, mm, Phil Jackson, to draft, and I think, number five, that all-time NBA great Frank Nilakina. Hmm. <laughs> Who was the very next player picked in that draft? Uh, Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, that's right. Donovan Mitchell. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So here's, here's, you know, James Dolan, and here comes Irving Azoff and Glenn Fry and Chelsea Handler and the whole Hollywood entertainment complex to say, oh, Phil Jackson, yeah, you should hire Phil Jackson. And here comes Phil Jackson, all right? And he's like maybe one rung above Isaiah Thomas as an executive for the Knicks. And i got to tell you, every time Isaiah Thomas comes on the television, I immediately turn the channel. I never want to look at him ever again for what he did to the Knicks as a franchise. Okay, so now... The Knicks, had, the Knicks could have retained Pat Riley if they gave him what he want, wanted. And look at what he has done in Miami. You know, it's not so much that Spolstra – I'm not saying Spolstra isn't a wonderful coach, but he is a willing Jedi to Pat Riley's Yoda. And they have a system, a, a, an organizational system in place that allows them to plug in players to achieve a result. It's just incredible. And you know what? Phil Jackson, you know, let him, wherever he is, good. As long as he's away from the Knicks. 
All right? Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I do, and thanks for the phone call. And remember, to make matters worse, he turned that job down, and they still forced it. He almost begged them to take it. He turned it down. Told me he didn't want to do it. (laughs) I don't want to do it. Should have listened to him. (laughs) They should have listened because he really didn't want to do it. Um, Look, the Knicks have made numerous bad choices over the years. And I'm not going to depress you on a Sunday by bringing in, naming any more of them. So now the question becomes, what will they do going forward? And that's the interesting thing. And we'll kind of talk to Bobby Marks about that at 2 o'clock when we get more into the Knicks and their thought process and what they have to do and what they can do financially and so on and so forth. But just to add to your point, is the ability for what Miami has done with non-drafted players that they are getting excellent results from coming off their bench. Non-drafted players. Okay, the Knicks have had trouble with drafted players. (laughs) They've got, Miami's got non-drafted players that are giving them nice contributions that have been shot makers, which is something the Knicks are really looking for. Shot makers. And that's what they need. And so we have these conversations about, you know, Julius Randle is a willing passer. And we have these conversations about Jalen Brunson and his ability to not turn the ball over as much as he handles it and look for himself, but also be a willing passer. And the question continues, pass to who? who can consistently give you a a, a decent average shooting percentage, shooting threes. And so that's what the Knicks are in in the hunt for. Plus, they're obviously in the hunt because because of their defensive identity to, you know, not forsake a lot of scoring for defense. They're willing to forsake some scoring for defense but they can't forsake a lot of scoring for defense. And so you look at the makeup of this team and, you know, it's it's interesting to see how they perceive things, how they think about it. What, what do they see when they look at this roster? What do they see? What do they see, the front office? And how do they see that they can get better? Hey, want to help the V Foundation for Cancer Research? Then check out vclassic.com today and register for the Golf for Victory Over Cancer presented by Mayomi Wines Silent Auction. Tee off on 30 great items including VIP tickets, exclusive golf and rare wines and spirits. It's a great outing, a very special cause, and some amazing items. Make a donation or bid. Visit vclassicgolf.com today. When we continue, we'll talk Knicks, we'll talk Jets, we'll talk to you at 98.7 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. It's the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN, 1-800-919-3776, talking about NBA game, NBA Finals Game 2. And as Buddha mentioned, Bam Adebayo was really good. He played 40 minutes, gave you 26 points, 13 boards, 5 assists, you know, uh, was in foul trouble a little bit with four personals. I am very curious to see if Kevin Love plays at all in game two. 
Okay, I'm very curious to see if he will play at all. Just from the idea of giving you a little more size, A, and B, if he can hit the three that will pull somebody, whoever's defending him, either Jokic or Gordon or Michael Porter Jr., if that, if that will pull them away from the basket a little bit, that would open up the lane, as Jimmy Butler was talking about, that will allow them to get to, to the lane to get some easier shots. Because really, they Miami in game one played like the Boston Celtics. They were just putting up threes and trying to get them. And listen, they hit 13. They were 13 of 39, but they needed to be a little more efficient. And if they had gotten in the paint a little bit more, they probably would have hit a little better position, a little better percentage of threes because now I've got to collapse and now my somebody's open from three. So we'll, we'll see if they make that adjustment. Uh, back to the phones. Abby's in the car. Abby, you're next on 98.7. Hello. Hey. Hey, what's up? point of why I called. Talk about miserable Knicks draft picks and the misery of being a Knicks fan. You remember uh, 2009 Jordan Hill? I do. I do. Do you remember drafted before and after him? Uh, I don't. I know Jordan Hill ended up in Houston. Who who uh, who was before and who was yeah. after? Well, at that draft, Steph Curry was the pick before us. Right. Then And DeMar DeRozan was right as the pick after. So yeah. it's a Knicks fan. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I want to hear your opinion on um, if there's any possibility, if it's a pipe dream, of Bob Myers uh, running the Knicks, if James Dolan is, you know, any chance of uh, bringing him in because we know that he is elite and he is the next, or he's a young Pat Riley and he's won how many championships and he knows how to build a team. And if I'm James Dolan, you know, I give him a check and be like, how much do you want? Because, listen, Leon Rose, you know, came as an agent. He's he's done a good job so far, like okay job bringing in young players. But you know, if I'm the Knicks, you know they have to make a splash already because they're not. If Leon Rose is going to make the moves, he's going to get us that championship. So I think I just want to hear your opinion uh, if Bob Myers is a real possibility. Well, I'll say this, Abby, and thanks for the phone call. Um, I don't think so. I think that Leon Rose and World Wide West and Scott Perry before not getting his contract renewed uh, have done a decent enough job that James Dolan would stick with them. I don't remember how long the contract is for Rose and his crew, um, but I, I don't know that Dolan would just clean house with, with uh, you know, folks being available that he would just make that move for Bob Myers. Now, if this was last season and you're coming off the you know the 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 moves that were made you know at point guard and a shooting guard that you ended up having to send another draft choice to get rid of your guard and and and, and you had a another guard who didn't play all season yeah I, I that might be more of a reason that you would make a move but I just feel I, I don't think they would do that. Hey, I don't think they would give him all the the make him give him total control that he would just do everything. I don't think so. Doesn't mean it won't happen. But I don't see that. I don't see them making that move. And 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 I'm a little surprised and I don't know what's going on that Bob Myers would leave Golden State. Um but I'm a little surprised that he left because he's 
you know, unless he's got an opportunity maybe to do something else that he wants to go into in a different direction. Uh, but he's been pretty successful in Golden State. Now the question becomes, as you start to see this group of guys maybe move on, as you want to have like a transition because you've got your, your crew getting older, a lot of conversation about Draymond Green being moved. A lot of conversation as to what's going to happen is, you know, Clay Thompson is, is up for renewal. Uh, you know, uh, Steph Curry has had, just got an extension. So he's in good shape. So is, is this a team that can move forward? Is this a team that can have the sustainable success? Well, I'm not sure. And it's, it's clear that, um, you know, Bob Myers, maybe he's looking to go in a different direction. But I just don't think that he would be, I don't think that the Knicks would make that move. I don't know that the Knicks are, and this is just reflective, I don't know that the Knicks are a team or franchise that likes to give total control to somebody. Especially after, you know, the Phil Jackson situation. Because that did not turn out, obviously, as well as they thought it would. So... And like I said, Leon Rose has made enough moves that he's given them respectability. Okay, so they are relevant again. And they are at a point where they could make a, get another player somewhere or make some moves with a, a group of players to take that next step where you have, you know, guys who can hit threes, where you, where, I mean, they're drafting better. They've got better personnel, so they're, they're heading in the right direction. So that's why I don't think um, Bob Meyer would come here, and I don't see them doing that. But it is an interesting thought because you would love somebody who has experience in building a franchise, who was able to make moves and package and adjust on the fly and have enough to make them attractive that you would bring a Kevin Durant in and have you win some more titles, <laughs> okay? After you win, well, 70-plus games, and then, you know, you have another player come in who is a, one of the great players in the league, okay? And he wants to be on your team because of the way you play and the style of play that you have and the, and the choices that you made personnel-wise. So, listen, as a Nick fan, I would love to see him here. I would love to see what he could do with this team. I would love to see what adjustments he would make. But I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure that uh, they would make that move right now because, like I said, Leon Rose and company have not done a bad job with the exception of, you know, Fournier and company in year two. And they were desperate to improve the scoring. And you understand why. Because they were a limited, they had limited scoring. They really had uh, one player in Julius Randle, a very good player that they got at the draft at the trade deadline in Derrick Rose, and a bunch of bench guys, a bunch of guys who were great coming off the bench, who were, you know, maybe your sixth or seventh guy off the bench. And so, unfortunately, they could not. I mean, on good teams, they would be your sixth and seventh guy off the bench on really good teams maybe eighth, but they could not consistently give you the production that you needed. So when you took Julius Randle away, 
as Atlanta did, the Knicks couldn't win. They couldn't score enough. They couldn't score enough. And defensively, they spread you out enough that you couldn't get enough, you couldn't hold and stop anybody. So it was rough. It was rough. And and that's why you needed a point guard like Jalen Brunson to take you to that, to take you to the step where you are now. Now the next step is for you to get some shot makers and to increase your talent even more. And let's be honest, we got to look at that bench as good as we thought it was. Is not as good as it uh, performed in the postseason last year. It was a really good bench in the regular season. It was really good. But in the postseason, it was not. Emmanuel quickly struggled. Josh Hart struggled. We know they had the ankle injury, so he struggled. Wasn't the same player. A number of guys did not perform the way you thought they would in the regular season. So that's uh, that's something you have to look at as well. Will it change next year because these players have gotten experience in the postseason, understand what it takes, understands the mindset, understands what you have to do? Possibly. Possibly. Or is it a situation where you say, you know what? These guys are pretty good, and now what we need to do is, you know, take the next step and try to maybe move some of these guys and get some other guys back. And then you wonder about chemistry. Okay, are we going to lose chemistry? These guys seem to play well together. What are we going to do? I mean, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. We'll continue the conversation on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Also via Twitter at Hardesty ESPN at ESPN and wide 98 underscore 7 FM. Talking a little basketball. We'll continue our basketball conversation at the top of the hour. Bobby Marks is scheduled to join us. We'll talk to him about some of the new things that's going on under the CBA, that uh, the new CBA that could make things a little interesting if you want to make some deals in the NBA. Let's head back to the phones. Frank is in New Rochelle. What's up, Frank? Hey, what's up, bud? Um, you know, I agree with you a thousand percent. Um, Myers, Myers is not coming here. I mean, let, let's face it. You know, Green, Draymond Green was a second-round pick, and no one had Curry being the player he was when he first came out. But that's just, you know, that's that. For the Knicks, they need a perimeter shooter, like you said. Uh, I like adding on. And can we get – can Mitchell Robinson, can he hit a 10-foot jump shot? Is this asking too much? That They've had him for three or four years, and he can't just every so often shoot a 10-foot jumper that would keep some people honest instead of just the ball to the rim and the dunk. I mean, I read in the paper that he says he has this in his game. So it would, it's not going to be a game changer. I understand it. But it would surely help if we weren't playing with four offensive guys every possession, with Robinson can only be able to do his dunk. They need perimeter players. They need perimeter guys. Quigley had a bad, bad playoff. I'm not writing him off, mm-hmm. but besides getting hurt, he just didn't perform well in the Cleveland series. So I'm not going to, you know, as I said, just send him away. But if we could get a perimeter shooter and add to this team, uh, I don't like the people that say, well, let's trade Randall. Okay, I'm okay with that. But people have to tell me, who are we going to get back for a guy that does 25 and 10 for every single night? So I like adding to what we have. We have respectability, like you mentioned, 1,000% agree. We finally got there after years of futility. And now just let's add and let's continue to add and hopefully get lucky in the draft. Thank you very much for the call. 
All right, Frank, thanks for checking in. You're right. Uh, there is a concern. And, and look, whenever you have, and this is the decision, and I'm, 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 that's why I keep saying I love talking to Bob, looking forward to talking to Bobby Marks about it because how the front office looks at it. If you're the Knicks, you're saying right now, we've got a guy in Julius Randle that gives us 25 and 10, Frank, just like you said. He also, with Jalen Brunson, was able to give us some assists. So he was a more of a willing – his turnovers were down this season in the regular season. They were down. So now the question becomes, okay, what can we do to build around it? Or what? Or is this sustainable? Is what we have, can this get us to the next level where we want to go? If we just add a couple more shooters, will this make us uh, at the next level where Boston is, where Milwaukee is, where Philly is? Does this take us to that next level? And so... Are there, or are there people who can be better than him that we can bring in to give us similar to what he gives us but more efficient? Are there people that we can bring in that's, that would fit a little better handling the basketball maybe, okay? And if they are, if they are available, what will it cost to get them? So that's one argument. The next argument is, okay, well, let's stay where we are. Let's keep the people we have. Let's build where we are. Let's, let's identify three players that are one 3 and D guy, which gives us some size at the wing, defender that can hit threes, uh, two other guys who can just hit threes that are like a Seth Curry, guys like that. And let's get those guys in here. How, how, do, how do we make that happen? And so th that's where the Knicks are. That's where the front office is. They have a decision to make. And the question becomes, how do they look at this team? When, they, when, when Leon Rose and World Wide West and James Dolan sit down and all the other basketball people in the front office and they look at this Knicks team, what do they see? What do they see? Because I will argue with you that in... 99, when this team as an eighth seed, and they really weren't an eighth seed, but this team as an eighth seed, when they got to the NBA Finals, did you could argue that they looked at this team and said, you know what? We're good. If Ewing doesn't get hurt, we possibly would have a championship. Or could they have said, we need to make some changes because things ran well for us and we got, you know, we, things ran well. We, we were right there with San Antonio, a great team, you know. They didn't look at it that way. They looked at it like, okay, we're, we're good. And they needed to make a couple of other changes, okay? And so that's the question. The question becomes, all right, how do how does this Nick team, the front office, look at this team? Do they look at it as we're right there? And should they look at it as we're right there? Because I don't know that you I don't know that they are. I mean, it's clearly that they aren't. I mean, there were there was a there was a 
I mean, look at the Miami series. They had a lot of issues. A lot of issues. Couldn't hit, couldn't hit shots. The offense was a, a, the half court offense was a quagmire. It's like they were walking in mud and trying to run. I, it was, it looked bad. Okay, it did. And yes, I know Randall was hurt. I know with the ankle surgery, he'll be back and ready to go. I get it. Hart was hurt. Brunson was hurt. Okay, it's the it's it's the postseason. Everybody's got a nagging injury. Guys didn't produce. I get it. I saw I saw the series. I understand all that. But if I'm in the front office, I have to look at this and say, okay, are we honestly, are we good enough to get to where we need to go? And the answer is no, you're not. And you got to make some changes. But you're hoping the changes is not two steps back, one step forward. Because think about this. You now are expected because every every year, because everybody improves, but every year your your ceiling rises. So you're now expected to at least get out of the second round of the postseason. Okay, you made the first round, you beat Cleveland, you lost to Miami, so now you're expected next year to get past this spot, to at least get out of the second round. And oh, by the way, you have a coach that will be going into, after this season, will be going into the final year of his contract. And which is just, it may not be fair, but it's his history. It's his track record. This is usually when teams that he's coached, Tibbs, has worn down a little bit and they start to, you know, level off. This might be the ceiling. How do you how do you view him? How do you look at him and how he's run the team? Ryan's in Connecticut. Hey Ryan, you're next on ninety eight seven. Hey Larry, how's it going? I'm I'm enjoying the uh, the Knicks convo. Wanted to get involved a little bit. All right, what you got for me, Ryan? Um, well, I was thinking about Leon Rose, and mm-hmm. prior to the Brunson move, I was really down on Leon Rose. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Brunson move was great, worked out better than expected. Um, he picks up Hart, another good move, but I think the problem with the Hart move is that he essentially gave up two first-round picks for him. He picked mm-hmm. up Cam with a first-rounder, packaged him with a first-rounder, and then got Hart, and now he has to sign Hart. He's got no leverage. He has to sign Hart because he gave up two picks for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other point, what I would like, you know, they stack all these picks, I would have liked to see him take somebody like a Malachi Branham, who is that efficient scorer that we're missing. Um, I think he'll develop into that efficient scorer. Um, so that's really – Leon has made a, a couple of moves that were essentially making up for previous blunders, right? right. So mm-hmm. he, he trades the pick for Cam. That's a blunder. He makes up for it by getting Hart. He doesn't pick up uh, Halliburton in the draft. He makes up for it by getting Brunson. But those are, those are cover-up moves from mistakes. Mm-hmm. You're right, Ryan. Uh, thanks for the phone call. You're right. And but I'm not sure if and once again, you don't know, but is is Leon are, what are people telling him about these plays? Because most everybody thought Halliburton was going to be a Nick. And I I really don't know what happened. Most everybody thought he was gonna be a Nick and then Obi Toppin pops up and people were like shocked. 
And I think my thought process was that Toppin was going to be Julius Randle insurance. If they were going to move Randle, they wanted somebody to be able to play that position. You know what I mean? So I think that's what they were thinking. But really, they always knew they needed a point guard. That's why Halliburton was the person that most people thought was going to be gone, that he was coming here. Most people thought it was going to be him. Okay, look, the Knicks got their point guard. He's a guy that can pass the ball. He's going to be great. So, listen, you're right. Rose has recovered. He's made some bad moves, but he's recovered. So I will say this for him. There's an old adage in front offices. If you made a mistake, don't, don't compound the mistake by staying with the mistake. Get rid of it. <laughs> and that's what he's been able to do. When we return, we'll be joined by our Bobby Marks, front office insider of the NBA on 98.7 ESPN. 